Dear Diary, Mood, Triangle Squared, Halloween. Well, special guest, Pete wins. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Pete Wentz slash Brett Beck, or actually Brett Beck, uh, inhabited by the spirit of 2008 Pete Wentz. That's no, I was going to say 2008 land. Brett Beck. Also that. I mean, if you knew me, uh, Donovan specifically, who knew that this was this gag was coming up, uh, this is not too far from what I actually look What the fuck was that? We got Ghost in the studio. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this is actually the Halloween <laughs> episode now. I'm a believer. I'm pretty sure that's your daughter. <laughs> oh, no, I think you hear the oh behind it. It's a ghost. Uh, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely heard that. That is incredibly distracting. Hey, ghost, can you please stop? Okay, there we go. <laughs> and it's it's just moaning through the walls. Here we go. Well, anyway, uh, I never wore eyeliner until um, last night at the Halloween party, and I've learned a lot about eyeliner. It is 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 t- tough to put on, even tougher to get off. Never um, have never have had that. Problem I'm glad before. I never went through this particular phase of of guy liner. Uh, everything else is not too far from the truth. Um, so you know. Also, I feel like I'm uh, you know invoking 2008 Kiki from his MySpace pictures. Probably. So. so one of our patrons and good friends out there, Kiki, I hope that you feel a, a, a you know kindred spirit within me. Um, not within me, actually. That's you know that too far. But. <laughs> Uh, we are Triangle Square Idol PlayStation Podcast, and of course, this is our penultimate Halloween episode, since Halloween is going to be Thursday. This is the last day of this great set, uh, and we do have a fun thing uh, planned to kind of close off the Halloween season that we'll get into in just a little bit. But if you like what we're doing here, and are actually, I guess if you just want to listen to the show, or if you stumble across it uh, in one place or the other, if you stumble across it listening to it, you can find us over on video uh, format on YouTube, where you can watch it see our beautiful set uh and my terribly and terribly terribly i don't know what the hell what word i doing? was just thinking terribly terrible uh costume uh or cringeworthy whatever you want to say about it but anyway uh you can watch us over on youtube if you like what we're doing over there and want to chime in with your thoughts on anything go down in the comments section below let us know uh your thoughts whether you liked the show didn't like the show thumbs up if you liked it thumbs down and if you hated it subscribe if you liked it and want to see more if you find us on youtube and would prefer to listen to us you can do so bam good luck for you you have uh google play music itunes podbean podbean the app actually lets you comment and interact with us there if you don't want to have to go outside of uh your means to do so Maybe you're not a big social media person. If you want to chime in and be part of our community's take question that we do every week, where at the end of every episode, we ask a question just to follow it up at the beginning of the next episode and uh, get the community's feedback on that particular question. Uh, you can, of course, do so uh, by going to the comments, like we mentioned, or going over to our Twitter at Triangle SQRD, our Facebook group we have, which is Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, or over on our Discord, which we keep linked in the description below, where we have our community's take section. It's a little chat room specifically aimed towards that where you can go in and give your thoughts on the community's take as well as a podcast open discussion channel where you can come in and talk about anything that we talk about in the podcast and uh and chat with us about our thoughts more on it or give your thoughts on it or just have fun in our general chat with everybody else in the community who is over there but while we will be getting into uh, a lot of stuff that went down and uh we're going to use a little segue it's 
partially about Fallout 76 and uh, the mess that it's again found itself in, as well as a slew of games getting delayed and, and how those things uh, kind of connect to each other. But we're going to start this show off the right way, the way we always do. Saw what you've been up to this week. Have you played anything? Because I've got a weird answer for me for once. But you go on right ahead. I have <clears throat> stayed on the train of Destiny 2 for the most part, except yesterday. No, Friday. No, it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I started up Modern Warfare, the full release, finally. So today I started up the campaign for it and been enjoying about eh, three hours of that, two hours. I'd say about four hours of that, actually, today. So you're saying you've played multiplayer up until today? Yeah. And now you've played played story? I played multiplayer with Gavin and Eric last night, and we played for a good solid couple hours. And then um, this morning I decided to start up the campaign of it to see how good it was. Pretty good so far. That's good. Pretty good. All but, right, so just Destiny and Call of Duty, huh? First yep. person shootering it up? Yes, sir. I legitimately, for the first week since I've had the system that I'm completely aware of, uh, I have not turned my PlayStation 4 on since before we last recorded. Woo! I only, the only games at all I played this week, and only game, I should say, uh, is specifically Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which I can now definitively say, for as fun as it was and as as good i guess i can say as it was uh, i will i do have the definitive answer of i don't think it was worth 60 dollars. still uh, I, I, can see I, that. I still played it and that's fine uh personally if i would have bought it i would have felt like i paid 20 dollars too much for it i can see that that's about where i stand on it doesn't mean anything bad about the game i still enjoyed the game and that's honestly the type of zelda game that i i click more with mm-hmm. breath of the wild just didn't do it for me i tried and tried um and I'm really glad that they that at least, if nothing else, even if it means that they're going to keep charging $20 more than I feel like, in particular, that one was worth, they could do something different with a new style top-down Zelda uh, that's not constrained by trying to be a remake. Then even if we get a game of similar scope and, and scale, you do kind of go with that thing of, even if I feel like it's $20 too much, I might actually spend it just because I like that style of Zelda enough to bite the bullet and say, I feel like I'm paying too much, but it's an experience I can only get from them. Especially from a fresh adventure. Yes, yeah. And that's, and like I say, most of the time, because, you know, one of my favorite examples of a just a really cheap but great, essentially, Zelda game that I always bring up was the Adventure Time, The Nameless Kingdom. And it's surprising to me that that game had so much going on with it while being so cheap. And I did get it on sale, but even at launch, it was a $20 or $30. Wasn't it? Yeah. A dollar. Yeah. Uh, so really, I got a lot of game for a dollar on that, and I loved it and got it to platinum. But uh, it just goes to show that that's a style of game that doesn't get touched very often anymore. And uh, since we do not have any more games happening in that Adventure Time style that that kind of ape that. And I'm not going to say ape. That's, that's a little bit. I think take great... Um, inspiration and pay great homage to that style with that game. Uh, it, it's a series and a style that does not get touched very often anymore. Very similar to how you don't see very many dungeon crawler, uh, isometric dungeon crawlers anymore. Like uh, Diablo is one of the last of its kind in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, that's about it for me. I do intend with uh, the Outer Worlds dropping and having Yakuza and having more people talking to me about Yakuza Kiwami and kind of assuring me that even starting on Kiwami, while it may not be the most polished version to start on, that it ultimately doesn't matter. I think I actually am going to try and dip my toes into that. How easy it's going to be to be able to play Yakuza while also playing the Outer Worlds, I'm unsure about. Yeah, I meant to pick up Outer Worlds today on Game Pass, but I actually decided I'm just going to go ahead and get it for PlayStation 4. Uh, one of the things I was worried about is how it would run on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. So 
I was like, I know that for sure I'll be able to run it well on my PC. And actually, turns out there's no problems across any board mm-hmm. uh, at all. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just pick it up on PlayStation. Are major problems again? Types of games with these things. I'm not going to say that. Uh, you know, a lot of people get on Bethesda for their bugs, and I got to give it to uh, Obsidian. At the same time, they were using the same engine as Bethesda at the time, so it's yeah. partially on that. But Fallout New Vegas, for as much as I love the game, was still bug riddled. It's just, do the bugs happen in such severity that it detracts from the game's experience? And from most of what we've seen about the Outer Worlds, even though I've not gotten to play yet either, I'm hoping to go to GameStop uh, after we leave here since I didn't pre-order it for whatever reason. Being a little more cautious with my pre-ordering. I understand. These days. Um, trying to do that thing where I don't buy a game until I'm going to play it. So I, I don't pre-order it because I'm like, I, unless I know that I'm going to put everything aside to play it day one, I'm not going to pre-order it. Uh, but, you know... Uh, yeah, I've seen across the board that uh, while there's bugs in there and bugs that you'd expect from a game of that style, sometimes people clipping into objects and standing in weird places or floating occasionally. Yeah. It's nothing that's going to completely hamper the experience of the game. And um, that's what I've seen for the most part. So that's good. Um, but anything else you want to throw in there, Saul, before we get moving along? No, that's it for me. All right. The community's take question that we always do. Of course, our last episode, if you didn't get a chance to check it out yet, or if you're listening out of order for whatever reason, is uh, was about WWE 2K20 and the uh, now that the game is actually released, the severe drop in quality uh, that I think most people would agree that has happened. So our community's take question was simple. If you're a wrestling fan, does the quality drop of WWE 2K20 hamper your interest in the game? If you aren't a fan, would a similar drop in quality deter you from picking up a new entry in a series you love or do you accept it to get more of what you love and part of why i like that question is there's a lot of series that come out in either yearly or bi-yearly uh, setups like call of duty um that I think have a number of different things that pull people to and from them. Sometimes it's something as simple as going, I don't like um, I don't like Call of Duty when it decides to be futuristic and go into space. I'm gonna skip out on Infinite uh, Infinite Warfare and Black Ops Three or whatever. And I don't I don't like the future tech stuff, so they back off of there. Then you get to people who really love the realistic tone at the World War II game set that are not tied into weird sci-fi mess um and i don't mean that in a bad way i liked both black ops 3 and infinity warfare and uh did not play world war 2 because it didn't strike my interest so that one's one of those things where this is a question that's more aimed at drops in qualities when there's already i think a, a question that many people have to ask themselves about what do they get from a yearly franchise do you get uh fifa every year or do you get fifa every other year because you feel like every other year you see a jump from the year before yeah. you know that's a that's a weird thing Across the board, I found out that a lot of our listeners like WWE more than I realized because I'm not in that world. I don't think about it. Yeah, so same here. I don't, you know, I know that I have a couple of friends that like it, and I know that they're into it. But it was interesting to see how much of our uh, of our people had that, and then of course hearing from the people who just had different thoughts on series as a whole dropping in quality. Uh, so nobody on Facebook answered, which is fine. We had a bunch of answers across both Twitter and uh, Discord. The first one I'm going to go ahead and hit up is the longest one, and I'm going to try and, and, and get it across the best way I can. comes from longtime listener and good friend, Mr. Bobo May, Josh. He says, here's the deal. I've been a wrestling fan for the better part of 20-something years. There's no doubt that there have been periods when I have wa- where I have walked away from the product for a little while, but would always come back. The two gay games are not the greatest game in the universe, but it's still fun to play as your favorite superstars, a.k.a. Alexa Bliss. But the problem is that the past couple of years, they have been no improvements to the game. Some graphical, but that's about it. It's sad when the most 
most joy I think people will get out of this newest game is in seeing all the glitch videos, which quick, quick break there is absolutely true. Twitter has been riddled with people just mocking and laughing about the game and making the joke of maybe it is worth $60 just to get to see this crap show unfold. You know, yeah. uh, Ryan was definitely one of them sharing videos and wondering how this game was released with this quality. But anyway, uh, he says, um, I have no intentions of buying this year's game and will be the first time in six years that I pass. If I get it for review, then so be it. He does do game reviews. If you want to go check that stuff out, he reviews for uh, Demon Gaming, which is a site that we have been sharing and following and whatnot on Twitter. Go check him out over there if you want. He's got some uh, reviews up and done some giveaways and stuff. Go follow him. They're also on Facebook if you want to do that. Uh, and he also does reviews for some other sites still as long as I, as far as I know, I think SquareXO and uh, a couple other sites. But uh, from there, he says... That being said, I have thought long and hard about how people receive the, P- the WWE product these days. There are more promotions to support than ever, and AEW is making constant headlines. I think it is fair to say that people will find literally anything and everything to complain about WWE. I truly believe that once the game is patched, it will be fine. Does it change the fact that they haven't added anything new and everybody looks like they have Shawn Michaels' eyes? But it will be playable. I hope next year they decide to try and change it up. Maybe being an annual game is not a good idea anymore. Anyway, Keep up the great works, dude. Dudes, go drink some water and avoid that turkey spaghetti. Um, I got water right here. I got um, oh, flavored water, but it's not. It's really it's just carbonated. You know, it's kind of the difference. Yeah, thank you, Josh. But yeah, yeah I, thanks, I, Josh. I, I can see pretty much what you mean and throw that entire thing, especially being a being a fan of something and falling in and out with it. Definitely, it, it happens, especially with like content fatigue. And I do think it's interesting too that sometimes. When you fall in and out of something, something can happen with the brand or the item that you like that just hurts you from ever coming back. And I can actually yeah, see yeah, this yeah. could be a thing where maybe you were a fan of the wrestling games way back when, and then you thought, hey, you know what? It's 2020. I might want to check this one out. And you come back to see this game, and you're like, oh, well. Time to dip out for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, that was a mistake, but Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there's plenty of times where people take they they love something, uh, and maybe they or maybe they just really like it, and they take a step far enough away from it just to. And that happens across the board. It doesn't have to be games. It can be any form of entertainment. I think people do that with podcasts sometimes. Uh, it's probably happened to us where somebody was listening to us, fell out, and came back, and we said something ridiculous, and they said, "Well, I I'm a head out, SpongeBob style. Who knows? All right, um, I'll head out." But it's it's something that happens across all entertainment. But I do think that Saul brings up a good point on that in particular. If you come back to such a drop in quality, like let's say the last one that you played was 17, you, you stopped for a couple of years, said I'm going to come back and then you come back to this. I would definitely see it either if they were smart, you know, if it's one of those things where if they were smart enough and had the ability at the same time to go in and look it up, they have a higher chance of hopefully not getting their money wasted. But sometimes people just like to go out and casual buy on a whim. I do the same thing. Can't blame anybody for it. It's one of those things where I think that there's probably people who have went out, spent $60 on this completely unaware that it had even had a chance of being rough yeah. just to feel like their money was uh, wasted or at least, you know, the value of their money was somewhat disrespected. A um, couple more over here. Uh, let's see. Mr. Liam says a, the quality has dropped bad, but it's also how the games are handled. If you are not in the know, there's a big, there are the big names like stone cold or undertaker who may do nothing that year, but still be in the game. Meanwhile, people they release slash fired aren't there. So if you like people like Adam Rose, AJ Lee or my boy CM Punk, 
you're crap out of luck. Uh, family-friendly podcast. Sorry, Liam, I can't quote you verbatim. I also have less interest in them due to the trophies being 10 out of 10 hard online trophies my career and the new tower challenges. Forget that. Heck no. Uh, and then one more from over here on uh, on Discord. Mr. Elgebeam, always coming in. He says, I tried getting into wrestling games when I was younger, but the controls were a deterrent for me. I completely agree with that. When I played this game on 64 and then I played them again on PS2 with my stepbrother who loved them, the controls are jank. And it makes it really hard to want to even have fun with these somewhat funny things like going and doing crazy wrestling moves. It's one of those games that's kind of like Gang Beast. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where it's like half of the fun is just seeing the how ridiculous something's going to end up. And even if I don't enjoy watching wrestling, being the person who's controlling the character to go pick up a table just to smack somebody over the chair with it where you can crap talk them when they're in the same room, there's a fun to it. Yeah. Sports games have a palpable fun that even if you don't like the sport, you can somehow find a thing in it. Me and you were talking about how you like football games and you've played Madden off and on and mm-hmm. that you really like them uh, and that... And when you mentioned that, you know, I said I've, I've played football games and enjoyed playing them with other people. But you're, you stand on a slightly different side. You just enjoy them in general, even yeah. though I don't think that you typically keep up with football in a real fashion. Uh, a semi-fashion. Just because of family tradition or no, just, just gen- genuine interest? Like, I know a game's going on right now and uh, kind of around, but I'm not going to watch them, all of them. I don't really know the players' names or anything like that, but I watch them. I'm like, oh, you know what? Alabama versus Arkansas, you know. I'll keep my eye on that because I'm from Arkansas. Yeah. And, but I don't know any – I couldn't tell you the quarterback's name of Arkansas. Fair. But it's fun to watch it just, you know. All right, well, he says, uh, going on from there, he says, uh, it stops him from even getting the newer ones. My waning interest in WWE did not help that either. Either way, the same can be said about Fallout 76, which weirdly is going to be in this episode, and how the game really affected my decision about buying the next game in the series whenever that will be produced. And I guess any game that is released in such a state affects a lot of how future games are looked at, which is very much to Saul's point he just got through making. It just shows how much the developer and publisher are willing to treat a series just to have the game out um, for some cash, which does not paint a good picture for the future of the series. Thank you, LCB. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree buddy. with a lot of that. A uh, couple more from over here. Uh, I want to go with one that's a little less tied into wrestling so we can get the other end of the question for people who aren't quite uh, in the wrestling world or wrestling game world, as it were. Uh, Mr. Undead Sweet Jones, our buddy Ryan, he says, I would be heartbroken if Kaz, reti- or Kaz well, I actually don't know how he, I think it's Kaz, Kaz. retired tomorrow. I know who he's talking about. I don't really think about it. I, I call it Kaz, but I don't actually know how it's pronounced. Retired tomorrow, and GT dropped in quality as a result, GT being Gran Turismo. I'd rather them cancel the series than see one of my favorite franchises fall from grace. I can't think of a series that I love that this has happened to. Then he mentions, oh, Ace Combat, kind of. But they bounced back. Um which led to an interesting question, too, with, with this. Um, one of the bits of information that saw, I'm not sure if you saw, from the podcast discussion was that the people who make this game and have been developing the game since essentially 2K took it over is a, a Japanese developer named Yukes, if I can yeah. remember correctly. Um, and from what the members of our Discord were telling us, thankfully, and filling us in on something that we're not really as involved in, is that Yukes has been developing this single-handedly for so long, and there's no competition in the space. So what they did to try and give themselves a competition was actually split teams and have one team make it one year and one team make it the next year. It's like they're competing against with themselves. With the second team being broken off for a while and supporting the studio to kind of get used to it, it's what it sounds like. I'm not completely abreast of the situation, but I'm just... That's essentially what it is, um, and that this year is the off studio's turn to make a game, and we see that they either weren't ready uh, or that this was not the idea that they had in mind. Uh, is you know, I, I understand the idea 
that I think even like games like MLB The Show will probably stagnate if they aren't already considered to be stagnated by fans. Sales don't think don't sales don't reflect that it is. Uh, but sooner or later, when you don't have competition in your space at all, there's less innovation typically because there's not somebody trying to having that eating will at you to try and one up the other team. Or, You're right. You know, yeah. and it's something that even as a healthy competition is just nice to have of, oh man, that was they actually had a great idea. What's our gonna what's our great idea? How can we keep this competition train rolling so that we both end up with better games? Yeah. Uh, and that's a fun thing. So definitely a great point on that. Uh but you know when I think the same thing. There's plenty of series that you start thinking of names that would leave it and the perceived quality drop, and it scares you. And I think if even if people don't have series that have automatically had that happen to them, I think that there are plenty of though. Uh, I think Resident Evil is one series that a lot of people uh, actually, you know, after four, whenever the creator moved on, uh, a lot of people who may not even have known that realized that the series took a sharp turn and how things played out with five and six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely something I think happens. I think that you see that in games like Devil May Cry, where DMC comes out. And even though it's not a bad game necessarily in its own right, I don't think, uh, I do think it's one of those things where it's going to be hard to touch base with the people. It's going to be a perceived quality drop from the people that love so much of the other games. Yeah. And it just strikes that weird area in between where what is it that keeps you loving a franchise and what is it that scares you that the franchise may change? That's a different question for everybody. One more over here on. Um, Twitter, Mr. Jason G says, I'm a huge wrestling and video game fan. A game like 2K should be everything I want, but they really dropped the ball with this one. Utes, so I was correct, not developing it really shows, even though I think, unless I'm wrong, somebody please tell me, Utes technically broke off and they are developing it, but it's an off team or maybe the team broke off and went to a different name. I'm not sure. Uh, Absurd that last year's entry is better than this year's is what he continues with. I hope they learn from this and only get better. But yes, to answer your question, it does hamper my interest. There are way too many games releasing during this time, and a game releasing like that makes my decision on which game to purchase much easier, which is an inadvertent, actually, benefit to something like this happening. Yeah. Is it can inadvertently help you whittle down which games you're actually going to buy if you get into that period of, there's four games coming out in this time period that I want. I can only afford this many of them. How do I determine which one? One of them just got knocked out of the park for you in general. It's like, okay, don't want that one. So... Uh, but appreciate the feedback, guys. Uh, I think this was an interesting question. And, uh, again, I'm surprised to see. I, I know it's big. Of course, the, the games sell well normally. So it, it's not like I shouldn't have expected a bigger group of our community to be involved in liking those games. It just surprised me a little bit. Um, but with that said, Saul, unless you want to add anything else, we will go ahead and scooch off into the – oh, actually, before we scooch off in the news, I'm going to take this little interstitial to announce our uh, final – Halloween wrap-up, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Okay. What we want to do, as you can clearly see from my dumb outfit and Saul's lack of one, I'm actually with Saul. I normally don't dress up all that much during Halloween, but I had a Halloween party to go to yesterday that my wife wanted me go- to go to, so I decided to lean in and I do it. I can't look at you. And I just repeated it today just to have fun. Um, but in the spirit of Halloween, and since this is the last episode, uh, you know, the first episode for the Halloween set, we did a small giveaway. We're going to up that a little bit. I'm going to go to a $20 PSN card. And what I want you guys to do is if you listen to this episode uh, or watch this episode, does not matter. I want you to go and send us through whatever means you want to, be it an instant message uh, or a direct message if you don't want others to see it immediately. Um, though I would prefer that it be something that people let us show or maybe even a thread. We'll go to... Uh, 
Twitter. I want you guys to send us in pictures of you in your costumes, and we want to essentially do a, a costume contest where me and Saul will pick our favorite costume that we see, and whoever is our favorite costume uh, is going to be the winner. This is very different for us. Most of our giveaways are completely random for the most part, or first come, first serve. This is the first time we're going to do one where we're going to be the judge of who wins based off of what we think is best. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm just going to go off of what I think looks most best or different things. However you want, if you want your picture to help sell the idea of what you're doing, send it in, hoping that this is fun and has a good time. And whoever wins uh, will get a $20 PSN card to do with as they please. But from there, unless Saul wants to chime in, we're going to go to news. No lewds. <laughs> Kiki. <laughs> Kiki, please. Please do not wear that special jock strap that you put a picture of in the Discord. That's all I Not ask. of him, by the way. Not of him. That is fair. Join our Discord. It's and quite Technically, fun. he didn't put it in there either. Richard did. You're just getting all the information wrong. True, but it was on his Twitter. <laughs> so you're right. This is getting out of hand. We're going to go ahead and go to the news. <laughs> and uh, the first bit of news actually kind of comes in to um, the community stake and last episode which is wwe 2k20's publisher of course 2k games has taken to twitter to say that it has been listening closely to feedback that is being shared online and they are quote working hard to investigate these concerns and address them as necessary end quote with an initial patch aiming to launch in the next two weeks with others to follow as needed similar to reports during anthem's launch there are people saying that Sony support has offered them refunds uh, due to the state of the game's launch being so buggy and so broken, which goes in direct contrast to Sony's newly implemented refund policy, but might be being granted due to the specific high-profile nature of not only the release, but the issues related to the release. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those weird things where I do think that this should be a time where Sony uh, subverts, essentially goes around the policy and just says, despite what the policy is, due to the state of this game, and I think that this is good for any high-profile game that moves forward. These are games that are going to sell well off of name of mouth, uh, word of mouth alone and uh, in terms of name recognition. I feel like there's some... There has to be some moments where refunds are given despite what their policy says. Maybe that even leads to a policy change in the long run. I mean, like I said, at least Sony took a step in a direction. I'm not going to say it was right, but I think if this is true and it's still probably going to be based off of who you're dealing with, this is at least a little bit of a step in the better direction. Uh, and I think it's fair enough. While, um, oh, I've moved stuff around. Ubisoft uh, have come out to say that their last two major AAA releases in the way of The Division 2 and Ghost Recon Breakpoint were both considered commercial failures that performed well under expectation. While The Division 2 was at least critically acclaimed, the same could not be said for Breakpoint, which was considered both an critically and commercial failure and underperformed expectations by far. Um, Ubisoft came out to kind of talk about it, and I'm a little curious as to where you stand on this, because I think for a long time, you know, you were kind of the idea like, oh, Destiny 2 coming out is not a problem. Destiny 3 eventually coming out is not a problem in the sense of, you know, the, the original plan for Destiny, for anybody who doesn't know, was that it was going to be a 10-year game. And as we've learned, that statement didn't necessarily mean one game that goes on 10 years. Apparently, that was just encompassing Destiny as a franchise to be at least a bare minimum 10-year experience. Yeah. Um, now... What gets interesting about this is Ubisoft's reasoning behind this is that both of these games are live service games, um, and one more so mimicking the style of Destiny, where you get on, have a shared world, play with people, and do missions together. 
in a very different setup, whereas Ghost Recon's Breakpoint is like a game that you can play by yourself in an open world or play with friends. But yeah. they're both live service games, and their points were saying that the two games did not have enough to differentiate from the other game to where the, even the, the differences that were there were not able to shine due to the two familiarities of it and the fact that they released too close to their original game when live services benefit from existing live service games benefit from years of optimization and changes. Um, and I think that that's an interesting thing because I do remember a lot of people saying that even though the division two was critically acclaimed, plenty of the players felt like the division one was better in a lot of ways because it benefited from learning and time of being able to fix that. And I would, I, I think that we both agree that destiny two did had the same trajectory where Destiny 1 had a lot of time to learn from its mistakes. And by the time that you left Destiny 1 for Destiny 2, Destiny 1 was in great hands. Mm -hmm. Just for Destiny 2 to be better at launch than Destiny 1 at launch, but worse than Destiny 1 at the time of Destiny 2's launch, in a lot of people's opinions. Yeah. Do you... I mean, I guess my question for you specifically, because you were always a big proponent of like Destiny 2 releasing as a separate game is not a problem. And Destiny 3 releasing as a separate game is not a problem, even though they're only two to three years out from their original releases. Mm -hmm. uh, three on average is what it seems like they were going for. That may not be the case now that they're not with Activision. But uh, what do you feel like that's, that's something that's out? Because the Division was out for about three years before the Division 2 hit, but they're claiming too close to, to each other and not enough differences make these games to where it almost sounds like they prefer that they would have just continued investing in the division one. Well, I think that the problem with that is, is that know. destiny two seems to be the king of looter shooters in terms of a game with the service. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with that. So, and the only competition they have that I think really, really goes against them, but is a very different market is uh, warframe with yeah. a free to play. Market. And, you know, it's 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 high competition, so that when a game made by Ubisoft like Division or even Break or uh, Breakpoint comes out, if they can't dedicate the enough resources to keep it updated and changed, you know, on a, at least a a quarterly scale like Destiny can, people are gonna lose interest and just go back to Destiny for the most part. And that's gonna be the downfall of all these games because they come out trying to be so games as a service, Anthem being one of them, and just falling flat because. They don't have a proper plan of how to continue to support the game uh, enough to keep numbers engaged. Yeah, or if they do, in the case of like Anthem, it gets pushed back so much that even though I think that people the, just lose interest, I think the first event was actually good. The Cataclysm was fun. It would have been a lot. It would have been a, a more of a star on their board than so much of a smear on their board for the game if it had actually released in the original plan, which was three months out from original release, which yeah. is about right. Like you said, quarterly. Big changes. Yeah, quarterly or at least big updates or big refreshes to the game yeah. keeps it fresh. But games like Division, that can't. it almost seems like these games don't have enough support from teams. I'd, I'd say that looking at the Division 1, I think it had it. But I think by trying to split it off and have them go towards Division 2 and leaving it high and dry gets weird. I actually think that I agree with you. Destiny 2 looks like it's going to follow a much better path than Destiny 1 did in terms of how it's going to choose to end. Destiny 1 felt like it ended abruptly. And Pretty Destiny much, yeah. 2 seems like they're doing way more to say, hey, not only are we doing big expansions between every year, like essentially every year you're going to get one big expansion like we saw with The Taken King and then Rise of Iron, and then this time around we have uh, Forsaken, and then now we have Shadowkeep. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who's not dived back into Shadowkeep yet. But my still the bigger point is that Destiny even found a better way to go about things than they did with Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 with the idea of letting Seasons find a way to refresh the game 
every couple of months in between yeah. the big expansions. So it's like they you have really a big well. expansion, then you have small seasons that do come with changes, additional story, new game modes, different things like that, that you didn't see in the first Destiny very rarely. Instead, you just saw individual events like the the dawning and the, uh, the Halloween events Sparrow races. and Sparrow Racing, which worked to some degree, but yeah. I don't think that they were as successful as I've seen people coming back into Destiny for seasons has been. Oh, yeah. No, dude, seasons and then these expansions, Forsaken and Shadowkeep have really, really refreshed it. Whereas, what was the name of a big release for Division uh, expansion? And, and I'm going to be fair. We, we both played Division, but way less than we did yeah. Destiny. So I do think that there was one. I know that there was one very big game-changing one for, for Division 1. It's the fact one. that we can't remember the name of it, though. But Even yeah. people who don't play Destiny know the name Forsaken and Shadowkeep. I don't know if that's true. You're, you're probably oh, right because I think Destiny is true. at least, like you said, it's the king. So it's almost like if you're interested in gaming and you've heard of Destiny, the chances of you knowing the names of those is higher yeah, and than it, the Division. That, that, that's the point right there is yeah. that Division doesn't even have that. Division doesn't even have the the fact that it's, it has a it doesn't have a presence big enough that the common gamer who doesn't even play the game would know the expansions. Whereas you hear about Shadowkeep and Forsaken so much out and about that people know those names. They don't. They may not know what the exact changes are, what what, what it means, but they know that hey, I heard good things about Destiny once Forsaken came out. Yeah. Or Shadowkeep came out. Yeah. I can't say that with Division. And we, I played Division. Ryan is yelling at his phone just oh, right now, is. like it's called the blank 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 update. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I will say that that's why I'm being a little iffy on it. I didn't play enough of Division, and I played it so late into it coming out that I probably just missed it, and it, that's why it doesn't resonate with me. But I think Saul's still right in the sense of even when I don't play Destiny for large swaths of time, which is plenty, happens a lot. Last time I played Destiny right now is probably like four months ago. Yeah, I would um, say it's I would say it's worth it to go back in, at least for the story and shadow key. Well yeah, sure, but what I get at is that even though I don't play that anymore uh, at the time. And I, there's been large swaths of time I didn't play Destiny 1. I played Destiny 1 at launch and then didn't play again until Rise of Iron, yeah. uh, which is two years. And I still knew of everything happening in Destiny 1. Maybe that's because... It's getting harder now. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's because I had friends that were doing it. Uh, whereas Ryan is one of the only people I know who was just really, really big into the division and talks about it often. Yeah. Whereas I know plenty of people who talk about Destiny often. I feel like I come across more people, at least in day-to-day life here, that are gamers and if you mention destiny they go yes i play destiny or i have played destiny and i enjoyed it until this or i enjoyed it after this and it's uh it does seem to be different if nothing else like you said the the word of mouth around destiny seems to be so much more than the division yeah so. and I, I i understand what you mean so <laughs> saw got a poop ah. <laughs> i had to say that out loud because it's important happy halloween people Yep, he's going to poop out uh, pumpkin confetti, all that stuff. I'm going to keep rolling through on here. Yakuza 7, Like a Dragon, is getting a new gameplay reveal hitting October 28th, the day this episode drops for anybody who's listening to this right there uh, and is interested in that. It comes off the back of the recent showcase where it was revealed and lightly shown that the game would be ditching its real-time brawler combat in favor of a turn-based approach that many people are saying is reminiscent of Persona. So if you've never been big into Yakuza um, because you didn't care much for the combat style, but you were interested in maybe the story, this might be the way for you to kind of dip in and, and get into the Yakuza world with a very different play style. Uh, so if you were a fan of, of Persona and wanted to try Yakuza, bam, here's your chance. From what I hear from a lot of people, it's not required to play the other games, which is much of what me, my decisions to play uh, Kiwami 
uh, before Zero or what it came from. A lot of people were saying don't play Kiwami because it's a remake and it's bound. It's based in older mechanics and it's in an attempt to be a remake. Uh, and the story is a little lesser in terms of what it pulls off than Zero, which plays better and has a more interesting, compelling story. From what I heard from a lot of people. But I do think from plenty of people now that I've mentioned that coming back around, I've had a lot of supportive people saying it doesn't matter when you jump into Yakuza because, like I said last episode, people jump into Yakuza at any given time. There are people that started playing Yakuza with 3 on the PS4 and didn't play 0 because it wasn't out yet, didn't play 1 or 2 on the PS2 because they didn't have the opportunity, and then they didn't get to play them until they came back around on PS4 with... Uh, Kiwami and Kiwami 2, which were remakes of the first and second game for PS2, and then Zero, which is a brand new prequel. So I think it's... uh, You can't play every game chronologically, even if you're coming in later. I think you just gotta jump in where it seems interesting to you, and if you love it, go back and play the other games. Uh, But... Going back into Gran Turismo, like we talked about a little bit earlier in our community's take, uh, keeping in tradition, Gran Turismo Sports' upcoming update is teasing which vehicles will be added, among other additions, by posting an image of a black background with light highlights, lightly silhouetting the body of four different cars. Uh, This is something they've been doing for a while. I think it's a great way to go on Twitter and get people and fans engaged, trying to guess what the cars are. It's a great marketing stunt. It gets people talking. Kind of gives you an idea of how much of your community is really active and uh, gives a reason for them to be more active. Uh, it's kind of like a, a little game to play of here it is, and they don't even ask you what the cars are. It's just people's immediate sense of uh, of mystery and, and, and wanting to figure out what it is. We'll put them going, that looks like this, this looks like this, and then people start working together, very similar to what we saw when PT dropped, when it was people working together to try and solve all the puzzles so that they could get through and beat it uh, within the first day, which was cool. Update hit sometime this week, which is after a GT uh, event that happened over the weekend, um, which we're recording this on the weekend, so it works out. Uh, next up, Borderlands 3 taps into the Halloween spirit with an extended spooky event in the way of its Bloody Harvest limited time event. The update changes the main menu to an appropriate theme, uh, gives a repeatable mission that must be completed in order to reach Heck, which is the setting for the event that tasks players to collect Hectoplasm. Once enough is collected, Maurice opens a portal that leads you to the Captain Haunt, uh, to Captain Haunt and his undead mission minions. And this is just part of the theme festivities. I'm not going to give it all away. Uh, it's more than that. But alongside this are improvements to the overall stability of the game, fixing crashing bugs while a performance patch is planned for November. Uh, the event itself lasts from October 24th to December 5th, giving people plenty of time to participate if they want to. Glad to hear that the stability things are fixed, because even though I've not turned my PlayStation on this last week, I had a lot of offer, uh, offers from our friends and community members uh, to jump on and help me get through this annoying boss fight that just crashed on me after 25 minutes of playing and not dying. Just a weird situation that the game had a problem with, specifically for my character. Uh, and my and my gear set since I didn't do grinding, but whatever, wasn't an issue until it crashed. Got grateful people that are going to help, and this means that there's less of a chance that it'll crash again. So I'm hoping that that continues to be the case. And uh, again, uh, performance, which is not just completely abysmal, but is abysmal in times when you're on uh, dual, you know, same screen co-op and whatnot, uh, couch co-op. So. Need to get that up and going. Next thing on the list, I'm incredibly happy to hear. Uh, Focus Home Interactive have found great successes in both A Plague Tale Innocence, which is one of my favorite games of the year so far. Great game if you like uh, more linear story-based games that have some combat and some puzzle-based solutions and just an interesting uh, story and mechanic setup. I love the game. We'll be talking about it more as we get closer to our Game Awards uh, 
based episodes. Uh, and of course, Greedfall, which is also another game I recently loved by them, with both titles having very successful launches that exceeded expectations, leaded, leading to their first six months of the first uh, of the fiscal year. Posting revenues of 79.8 million pounds, which is up 80% in comparison to the same period last year. In case you were curious as why well, I use pounds, Focus Home Interactive is a European company. Um, so there you go. I actually think they're based in France, if I'm remembering correctly, which is where plenty of these developers are based. Uh, I think that that's both where Asobi Studios, who made uh, A Plague Tale Innocence, and Greedfall's uh, developer Spiders uh, are both stationed. So good for them. And I love those games. If you haven't played either of them and have any form of curiosity based off of the things I've said, I urge you to go play them. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to be true, but A Plague Tale Innocence is 40% off, and it was already a $50 game. So you're just that much ahead of the thing. You're paying $25, $30 for a fantastic game. So go grab it, pick it up. And Focus Home Interactive continues to just blow me away with coming back so strongly with these AA games that are performing very well, while THQ Nordic is doing their work as well to show that there's plenty of people that still like AA games and that there's a market for it. And if they keep coming out and doing interesting stuff, I think they have a good life ahead of them. Next up on the news section, a wild rumor has surfaced that Sony's London studio, the team behind the recent PSVR exclusive Blood and Truth, are helming up a PSVR iteration of the Guerrilla Games popular franchise Horizon Zero Dawn. The rumor comes from a pundit who worked in the VR scene for years, and he says he's unsure if the game is intended for the PS4 or PS5, since the PS5 does intend to support not only the current VR headset for its first few years and, of course, onward, but there are plans, as far as we've heard from Sony, to release a, uh, a second iteration of the headset. Uh, so... Could be that as well. I think London Studio is clearly the team for this if it does end up being true. Uh, they recently had, of course, Blood and Truth come out, which I think is just great. I think they'd be able to adapt the series because they have, of course, industry topping standards they've set with Blood and Truth. I think it had top-notch production values, which I, th I do think is something that a lot of people are expecting and wanting to see Um in these newer VR games, they don't want it to just be little experiences. They want to make sure that what they're buying is full-on, full-fledged experiences. And I think that between the gameplay sequences that I've seen from Blood and Truth and, of course, the production values for just the character models and everything, the, these is the people. These are the people right here. If you're going to do this and you're going to do this in a real compelling way, you need people who are industry leading, and this is one of them. I think Sony's very smart to let London Studio go through this do a game like this, take a big risk on a VR exclusive game to this caliber. And I think they've seen great, great returns from it. I hope we see alongside uh, this next piece of news. I'll go into that and then we'll continue. Uh, one more juicy rumor again. We don't know if it's true is that the PS4 will be $150 this Black Friday with the Pro being available for $299, which is $100 off of its price point. Uh, believable to me, because if you think about last year, we saw a $200 Spider-Man bundle, which was not only a console, but a bundled-in game. That was $200. It would not surprise me to see either a standalone PS4 at $150, or even, a little bit further, a PS4 with another Sony um, published game packed in again uh, at $150 just for a sheer value representation. And hey, look, Saul's back. Um, 
But, you know, to me, I think that the two things, I think, of course, the PS4 being down to 150 for Black Friday is a believable thing. And I think it's high time that the Pro drops down to 299 even if, it's, even if it's just for Black Friday. And I would not be surprised if we see a permanent price drop for the Pro, Pro to 300 uh, next year in preparation for the PS5, considering the price expectations of it as well. Um, what I was going to go with that is on top of these two things, I do think that the PS4 system itself needs to be down for Black Friday. That's great to get these that last little bit out where they're trying to meet ps2 numbers and then ps4 pro numbers being helped uh by 299 price point i really hope that with that vr news and if it's true and and just in general for vr and this is something that even liam said in our discord uh, one of our community members i hope that sony put a big push behind the vr units this black friday as well they've done it in the past um and I think if they really do it again, definitely with big games like Blood and Truth coming out and they do the right bundle at the right price and get people to get into these VR units at $200 or whatever it be. If you can do a $200 PSVR bundle with at least one tie-in big game from them, Blood and Truth would be a great obvious example of that since it's published by them. No real loss, just gaining people getting this. It makes the VR market that much stronger, that many more people involved, which means that there's that much more of a future for better games for it. So I think it's time that we see a really big push from Sony. And I do agree with Liam's stance on that. They really got to start pushing even harder this PSVR. They've been doing really well. It's been pushed harder than any other peripheral they've ever done. And technically it is a peripheral yeah, because it can't be played without the PS4. Um, and good for them. I mean, you know, whether it's for you or not, uh, you know, I think that there's people like Saul here who wanted to do, the Oculus Quest. Quest. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was the it was the one after the go. It's still a standalone headset that yeah. doesn't work with any wires or anything like that. Um, because that technology wise to you is already above the PSVR, which of course it is. Um, but I think PSVR does have a lot of compelling games that are just happen to be exclusive to it. So there's a market for both right now. And if PS5 does end up coming with a really great headset, then we get a good thing. You know, that's that's exactly what we need. Last one. You got anything you want to add to that? Since no. You're, since you're uh, backing, backing around. A little snippet, though, is that uh, yesterday morning I was playing Destiny with Joe. Yeah. And I mentioned to him, like, you know, with my new job, this is probably going to be the first year that I've ever gone Black Friday shopping with you and potentially Blaze. Yeah. And he's actually going to be in town for Thanksgiving, and he's probably going to join Boy. with us. Yeah. All so right, it's cool. going to be fun. <laughs> Good, and then we can get him on an episode of a uh, Dick and Shit Best, yeah. oh, and maybe we can all get together for actual Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving night too. So yeah, that would be fantastic. Lead, leading a Thanksgiving dinner out to Black Friday. All right, our boy Joe is working on his own podcast. I'm gonna we'll, we'll let him plug it whenever he comes in our on our podcast. Uh, but yeah, he's a great guy. Anyway, going on, and actually Saul gave me this pro tip, but I'm going to extend it to y'all. Uh, friendly tip, Death Stranding spoilers are abound on the internet. So if you are hoping to go into that game completely blind or as blind as possible. Be very, very careful on the internet in the weeks coming up to its launch. Specifically the Death Stranding subreddit, which from what I was reading, I was browsing the PS4 subreddit yesterday, and uh, for what I was reading on there, uh, they've actually kind of quarantined the spoilers. Uh, pretty much they've cleaned out the subreddit, and, yeah. but I'm still sure that if you go visit that subreddit, you're going to see some asshole commenting, you know, hey, this is this happens and this happens. Yeah, and of course, mods have to jump on top, and that, that's across all things, be it Twitter or anything. And I don't know if t- Twitter really won't do anything, which and, they, and not that they should to an extent. I don't know what Twitter's policy is on that. I don't know if you can report. I don't think there is one. A po- I don't know if you can report a post for being spoiler-filled with something that's not actually broke street date yet. I don't know. Uh, that's just that's a very weird setup that I do not completely understand. But at least on things like Reddit, where there's mods who get to determine what the subreddit rules are, um, they do have to contend with people who are jumping on there and creating new 
It's full-on posts, not even comments, but full-on Reddit posts from the ground up to try and get on the home screen of saying this and this and this happens in Death Stranding. And they got to try and be on top of that so that the very smallest amount of people can see that. And I'm sure that those mods are on like overdrive for these next two weeks, just trying to keep people from being able to spoil that game. But I know that I'm trying to go in with as little as possible, so I would hate to see that um, you know, be ruined. Now that we are reaching to Fallout 76, though, I'm going to go ahead and say... Despite, main topic time, kind of. Essentially. Uh, we, are, we are moving more or less into the main topic, which is a, somehow is a mix of these two, but I think it's a good one. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, is We'll go ahead and hit the news first and kind of go into that. So the first piece of news that we're going to expound upon and really have more talk around is, despite a rocky path for the game, Fallout 76 has managed to find a spot with its players months after release and continued to slowly try and improve the game. Bethesda announced the arrival of Fallout First recently, a subscription service that cost $12.99 a month or $99 a year, with subscribers getting access to Private Worlds, a scrap box that offers unlimited storage for crafting components, a placeable fast travel point called the Survival Tent that offers coverage for your basic needs in the game that you can set up anywhere, Um, a monthly sum of atoms for the Atomic Shop, I think it's like 1600 an exclusive armor outfit and icons and emotes that are exclusive to the subscription service as well. The service was already being criticized for its price and even its general existence uh, as a whole, but now it seems that the service doesn't quite hold up its end of the not-so-much-a-bargain. Players report that the most desirable feature of the sub, which I think everybody can, of course, land on, is the private worlds uh, for a game like that. That does make sense. They're not quite what players expected with players from your friends list being able to immediate immediately see and join your private world without any ability on your part to restrict the access as you see fit. Huge problem. That is a huge problem. I would hate to see that just because you're friends with somebody does not mean that you want them coming in and playing with you all the time. There's a nice part of the reason that you'd want a private world is I just want to play with this group of people. I don't want people to be able to freely join my instance. I'm just going to be like, Hey, private world, unless I invite you, you can't come in. That should be the basic setup, and I'm surprised that that's not what we've seen. But, oh well. Uh, Another issue reported by players is that the worlds are claimed to be newly created instances, but some have found that as soon as they go into their their private world that should be new, there are already dead NPCs and already looted areas in the world, seemingly suggesting that these are not new instances, but instead recycled instances being sold as new worlds. Again... Huge problem. Even if this is just turns out to be a bug, huge problem. The next feature, the scrap box that we mentioned earlier, also appears to have issues with players reporting problems with the scrap box deposits vanishing in instances. Bethesda have issued a statement saying that these features will be getting updates to work as users would expect them. But this is just another big misstep towards the optics of a game that was already plagued with a rough launch and an uphill climb to convince players to stay with it and find a player base, which it managed to do. And they come up with this idea. And, you know, I really try to stay away from just crapping on fallout 76 too much. We did it a lot early on because I did really feel like this was a weird use of a great franchise. Definitely one that sold so well for them. But right now this is coming off of a year of them. I think more or less being on the upswing not every single update was taken with open arms. Not all of them worked exactly as people wanted, but people were at the point that they were willing to give this game a fair shot and a fair chance, and people were playing it. It had built a player base. Some people were coming back to it who swore they'd never play it or never play it again. 
you uh you missed one of the biggest things about the uh the outrage about this. Oh, what? I just had to Google it to make sure, but um, this is the only way, and currently, in Fallout seventy six, that you can get the NRC Ranger armor. The no, New I, Vegas. Um, yeah, I mentioned it in here. Yeah, where they they get an exclusive armor outfit. Oh, but you didn't you didn't mention which one. It's the it's it's, it's, it's the still, New Vegas. I mean, outfit. yeah, don't me wrong. It's still, that, it's, that's been the that's been the number one requested item yes. in in seventy six since launch. It's been the, yeah, it's been the number one requested item, and then this this subscription brings a lot of things that were number one request. Number one re- oh, yeah. re- requested item was the the, the tent the, mechanism the, style yeah. thing. But the main thing that people wanted was the ability for private servers. Yeah, and now. You know, it was a weird thing because Bethesda comes out. They say, "Hey, we're at their uh, private servers are getting added to the game soon." And people, everybody was like, "Yes, awesome, finally!" And then, it's, and then suddenly it became, "Oh, private servers are going to cost." Okay, and then it was, "Oh, private servers are going to cost thirteen dollars a month." <laughs> And if that's the only feature you want, you're paying that much, and of course, that price, as far as they're concerned, is at least somewhat deserving as far as they're concerned again because of all these extra things that you may not care about at all i'm surprised they didn't try and do a tiered one if you just want private worlds five dollars a month if you want private worlds in uh, scrap box six seven dollars a month if you want private worlds scrap box and the exclusive armor and whatever you want to call that ten dollars a month if you want the ability to uh get the the atoms on top of that goes up three more dollars i don't necessarily know that that's a better solution but it just seems weird that you would lock the most requested feature and probably for many the only feature they really want from the subscription behind something that costs so much this is more than netflix and netflix is not cheap already in comparison to a lot of the competition this is more than amazon prime yeah and with amazon prime you not only get (laughs) two-day shipping you get videos on demand you get kindle books for free yeah with the prime so it's and i'm not saying that of course they can't be the exact same thing i understand that but it does get to a point of who lands on this pricing who lands on the idea to put a game that just got through you know essentially building itself back up very similar to elder scrolls online elder scrolls online came out launched not as much as a mess but did not really land the way that they expected it to just for them to build up and now have a huge player base that really does love the game this is the same situation more or less instead of being smart with it and thinking we have to be very careful and community friendly like we've seen other games do for a long time be it free to play games like warframe uh, or destiny where they try and be hey here's what we're doing even though this is going to be something that you pay for this is what you're paying for and this is what we're using the money for uh like saul always said it was really cool to see that they put out the uh item what was it again saul where they used all the funds to make a mission the uh you're talking about the black uh spindle aka the whisper of the worm sniper rifle in destiny 2 they released an ornament a ornament for it a skin and the the amount of people who bought that skin allowed them to fund a brand new mission to bring back outbreak prime and they used only the funding from that one skin and it funded that mission's development entirely yeah. And see, that's, a, that's that's one of those weird things where it's like, uh, if you're going to charge people for something, A, make it optional. Yeah. Which, of course, this technically is optional. Technically, right? yes. But it, it puts things behind, people want behind a paywall. Yes, a, a little too much. You yeah. know, if it's not saying, in this case, it's not saying, well, hey, if you wanted Whisper of the Worm at all, you had to pay. Instead, it's like, hey, if you want Whisper of the Worm, you can get it in the game. If you want this special skin that ultimately doesn't do anything, 
don't worry about it. It's paid for, but the pay is going to go towards something that everybody benefits from. Pretty much, yeah. Right? And I guess technically Bethesda does have that argument as the one benefit to everybody who pays this copious amount. This is way too much. But for for everybody who does dive in and pay for it, that money does go in and hopefully would would be the, the excuse would be that it benefits everybody in the game in the long run. But that doesn't mean... We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. But I, I just find this to be... Very similar to what we were talking about with NBA 2K20 and how it felt like the people behind the marketing were tone deaf. This seems like the people behind the, and ultimately this is the business decision, right? I don't think that Bethesda people who have been working on these features necessarily, the, the Bethesda Game Studios people, were thinking, oh, we, we're, we're making this just to put behind a paywall. What this no. very likely was was somebody in the business thing going, you know what? We could people are wanting these features and they're really, really asking for them. What if we put it behind a paywall and try to make extra money? Exactly. We can't, we can't, the game has already been announced as a free to play. Like once you buy it, you play forever, but it is, there are servers to contend with. There are updates that we have to think about getting money for. So since we can't charge a normal subscription, why don't we make a, a subscription is going too far, but like what you said is like, like essentially something to do to unlock these things. Like in tiers would be, have been better. Again, but, better. I don't know to what extent. I don't think I'd want four tiers. But, I mean, if you told me no. that, hey, if the only – really two tiers. Do you just want private worlds? If private worlds is literally all you want, three to five dollars a month, somewhere in that ballpark, I think more people would be like, "It's a." I don't necessarily want to pay for it, but you know what? It's it's a feature I really like, and it's not that much money. And, would, and you can kind of down – because if you think about it, private servers are a thing that, micro, that Minecraft uses, and people do pay for them. Yeah. But they're very cheap. As it's the also Minecraft, which is one of the biggest games, the biggest games ever. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to go look real quick. I'm really curious as to see – I doubt we'll ever get it, but the numbers released for who actually opts in to Fallout first – I would bet it's under 10,000 people. I would bet it's almost under 5,000 people. Well, I don't even currently know exactly what the player count for 76 is. I doubt, I doubt there's something I could figure out right now um, on Google that would tell me the current player count for that game. But I would be surprised if it's once again above 10,000. Um, yeah. Rooster Teeth made a game. I forgot what that game was called, but on Steam it was it went from like twenty two thousand people daily for like a week in a row to like less than less than a hundred. Like it's just one of those that people played because it was a Rooster Teeth game, and then once it kind of fell off the charts, nobody played it ever again. And it's a multiplayer game that you need people to play with. Okay, so just for you know, we, we brought up Minecraft as a comparison point, and uh, Minecraft Realms is what it's called for the private server setup for Minecraft, and that is across all. So it has added benefits as well. That's across all systems besides PlayStation at the moment. But otherwise, if you're on Xbox phone or on a Nintendo Switch or computer, everybody plays together, as far as I'm aware. Um, and two friends, so this is pick this option to only realm, which supports simultaneous play for you and two friends. So three people overall is three ninety nine. Okay, that's not bad. Seven ninety nine if you want it to be a realm that supports simultaneous play with you and ten people. Uh, so eleven total, seven ninety nine. Now there is no extra. You don't get these extra skins or anything that's immediately being said. And there is a free trial. Again, there's a lot of upsides to the way they're trying to do this. And as Saul said, this is a bigger game. So I think if if Bethesda came out and said, "Hey, Private Worlds," I should say this: Minecraft is a bigger game that announced this feature at a high at a high point. Fallout 76 is a game that stumbled into coming into the market, just reached a comfortable point, and decided at a comfortable point instead of when they reached a real high to say. Hey, we're gonna do charged private, uh, you know, private servers, but they're not—they're gonna be reasonably priced. You know, five dollars for a server. 
for whatever it is. Yeah. Instead, you know, Minecraft's over here, one of the biggest games at all, and it not only is tiered depending on what you want. If it's only you and two friends, if if that's only people that you have that play Minecraft, you can get away with paying four dollars. If it's you and a lot of friends, like what would be our situation, probably eight dollars. I wonder. You know, is this game on Steam? Sell uh, seventy six. Yeah, or is it or is it on the Bethesda store as an actual external game? Oh, you know what? I think you're right. I think uh, Fallout seventy six did subvert. Like, I wonder if they did that so that you you can't see real time player counts. Because I just now won't be on Steam at launch. Is it on Steam now? I wonder. It sounds like it's not on Steam at all. Yeah, and it's been what a year and a half after launch. Didn't it come out last summer? Oh, it is bringing uh, Fallout 76 to Steam at some point in later in 2019. I don't know if it's happened yet. Um, no, it's not. But out of curiosity, where are you? So you're, that's your main reason, just to see if you can see concurrent player count. That's what I'm curious. I mean, it definitely does help. People are not going to want to buy a game if they can clearly see that not enough people are playing it. Uh, that's one of those things that happens across a lot of games. RuneScape has that. You can go on and log in and see the player count in real time. That way you can, if you want to, you can go through that thing in your mind of, do I want to commit time to this because there's enough other players to make this worth its time? But I don't want to spend too terribly much time on that. I guess, you know, one of the things we're talking about here. And I think we could probably go into the next piece of news, which does tie into something we feel here. I think that the, the the main part for this for me is that Fallout 76 launched with tons of problems, and now that they finally reached a point, it's just reiterating what I've already said essentially. But now that they've reached a comfortable point, I don't know why you, I don't know why you essentially chop off your own, you know. I, your own potential for further growth by doing something like this in a time that doesn't feel removed enough from the problem. I'd feel the exact same way. Anthem is a game I enjoyed despite clearly seeing its flaws and understanding them. If Anthem did the same thing, let's just to try and put it onto something I like. So it didn't seem like, yeah, I haven't played fallout 76. I do like the fallout series. Fallout four was less than what I expected. So in case you're worrying that this is something that comes from me, not caring for this game, Anthem is a game I enjoyed a lot in Platinum and played over 100 hours, probably 120 hours. Um, but if the same thing came and Anthem said, hey, we're going to do a thing where you can get only players in your world come together, we're making the game open world, all that stuff. If they came out and said that, I would say the same thing. This is not far enough removed from a, a litany of mistakes that have been made for this to seem like a good idea at this time. Either yeah. hold these features and don't do them or say, hey, for the first year, these features are going to be free. But after that time period, we're going to move to a paid subscription service as you know, as and you could even bring it out and word it in the way of marketing saying. What we're doing with this game and with this update is we're bringing a highly requested feature uh, for free to everybody for a one-year period uh, as a way to say, you know, thank you for supporting the game yeah. in its rough times. Because that's realistically uh, who's all that's still playing. And bring us up and then you say, you know, once we're a year in and hopefully the game is doing even better and we have a bigger group, uh, we're, we will move this feature to a paid feature um, and, and be more reasonably priced than this. And I think you'd have something that optically looks a lot better. It's going to yeah. look like something that's cautious of the fans and, and, and uh, conscious of the fans and looking at it and saying, these are people that have supported us. These are people coming back. Give them something for free for a little bit. Plenty of, pl- pl- plenty of games have done that. Plenty of, pe- plenty of games have said, hey, this is something that's going to be free for this window, and then eventually you will pay for it. Um, there's been DLC that's been given out that way. There's been all sorts of stuff. I think The Witcher 3 had DLC they gave everybody for free before, uh, I think a year after they finally put it behind a paywall. Could be wrong on that, but I know there are games that have done this. Um, 
for sure. But moving on to the other thing that I think Saul kind of wanted to tie these things together with, and I do think it's a good point, as entering into the season of delays following Rage 2, The Last of Us 2 has been delayed despite confirming its date just over a month ago. The game can now be expected to launch on May 29th, three months after its original February 21st date. This date has reportedly internally delayed the originally unannounced plans for The Ghost of Tsushima to release in the first half of 2020 to now be aiming for the second half of the year. Vampire Bloodlines 2, another game, was delayed by publisher Paradox Interactive from its original Q1 2020 window which was a very crowded window, uh, to a late 2020 release. Uh, they say that this is not due to the crowded nature, even though I do think that's at least part of it, or it's an added benefit. But in, again, in order to give the game extra polish and make sure it's the best that it can be for it's a pretty large game. Uh, and then, of course, in Ubisoft's court, they have delayed three titles with Watch Dogs Legion, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Gods and Monsters, all games that were planned to be released before April of 2020. Uh, will now be releasing after April 2020. Ubisoft's pirate-themed Skull and Bones, which was going to be coming this year and last year, and then again infinitely delayed, has now been announced to be pushed back until after March 2021. So again, that is one of those situations where that game is probably going to be a next-gen title, and then the other titles, because they're being pushed so far back, have mentioned that they have... plans to optimize them for next gen meaning that they will likely be cross gen to some degree whether it's a legitimate cross gen release or um what we've been talking about the potential for backwards compatibility that has a patch that works on the ps5 to give it that much more stuff we don't know yeah. uh but saul had something to say about this which i think was an interesting tie-in to specifically the way fallout 76 has been handled and even anthem as we invoke yeah. that name well and, and just to make it clear i don't have problems with delays i don't think that delays are inevitably, be, or not inevitably, but I don't think delays inherently are bad. They're always, almost always meant so they can optimize their games and, and push out any extra bugs that they can and make it as stable as possible before release. Obviously, some games come out, and it's a very, very strong point that this game should have been delayed until it was fixed. And like Brett said, Anthem is definitely one of those this year. Fallout 76 is definitely one of those titles. So... People, I often see people automatically getting upset that Last of Us was delayed, and as well as some of these other games. While it does make sense to get mad or upset about a delay because you're not going to be able to play it that much longer, or I mean, I guess that much sooner, but I do think that it's kind of pointless to to hold like this really cool kind of like event, and the whole uh, purpose of the event is the release date, only to delay it two weeks later. There's, Almost a month later, but yeah. Is it a month later? Yeah, it was, like it was September, September 24th was the uh, oh, okay. state of play, and that was the same day as the press event. Yeah, and it's almost to me like, I'm curious if they knew that this game wasn't going to hit that day when they did that press li- that press release, but I think that they might have already planned it. They, they had booths already. Uh, they, they had already space rented for it, but they couldn't back out. I don't know. I think that they could have done the... That's a That's a good question. I think that... If you really look at it, I think there's a way for them to have still done the event if they did know that they couldn't hit the date to still hold the event and say all the stuff and just say the game is coming. We'll have a release date soon, very soon, and still back out of at least showing the date. But one thing, you know, I don't know if you read uh, the Neil Druckmann Naughty Dog post on the PlayStation blog Mm -mm. when it was finally official that it was, you know, it was rumored a day before. And I remember thinking that man, this is a really weird rumor. And I was a little hesitant to believe it because I was like, why would Sony, who have famously refrained from putting dates on things because they're so 
afraid of i'm not gonna say afraid they're so cautious of not wanting to delay games because of the negative pr that it can incur um so they're very, very meticulous about it. They don't yeah. want to. They don't want to announce a date until the game is essentially in its final stretch. Uh, that's what they do. So of course they went to Naughty Dog, and Naughty Dog would have ostensibly given them this date. And and yeah, that's why Sony went with it and said, "Okay, now's the time for the event. We we are we know that we're within three to four months of release. We're going to have the essentially that's what they've seemed to do. Put a date on it about a quarter before it releases. Yeah, that way you have time to market and do everything that you need to do. So." In this case, you know, what what he said is that when they originally gave the date, uh, they, they thought they had it. And then as they continued into this last little polishing phase of this last quarter before the game goes gold, you know, two to three month little period, um, that some of the areas that they thought they had under, that they had, you know, correctly calculated. Yeah. As they started hitting them, they realized that they needed more time to polish them to Naughty Dog level. So it was either to let them be in the game at a lesser level, which Naughty Dog doesn't want to do, or to completely remove some things from the game in order to not have something of lesser quality. And they said neither of those things were the things they wanted to do. So the third and final option, and the one that they ultimately went with, is asking for more time. Right. And I agree with you. I don't think that a delay is a bad thing by any yeah. standard. I do think that it is quite weird, like you say, to come out with so much confidence and say, this, this is our it. date. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that I don't, like I said, I only get frustrated with games. Like, let's say Death Stranding. We knew, technically, I am a little frustrated with Last of Us, uh, but due to the nature of the game, um, I give it a little bit more leeway. But it's like Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy 15, Death Stranding. You know, days gone. These games that we've known about for the past five years, and we've had trailer after trailer after trailer for, and then we mm-hmm. finally get a release date, and then only you know six months to a year later, it's like, oh well, that release date's pushed back now. Yeah, it's and like, that did happen with uh, that happened with with both uh, all those games. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's why I listed all those games, yeah. and and that's kind of with this one is that it's like I'm fr- I'm yeah. frustrated. Luckily, it's only a three month period, but now I'm curious because this puts us. At a little over a year that a game, like a, an exclusive has been launched on this system for PlayStation 4 to this degree except Death Stranding. Oh, do you mean... Uh, From uh, Days Gone to Day, Last Days of Us 2. delayed. You have one game. That's Death Stranding, which is six months after Days Gone release came. Or Wait, Days Gone came out in March? Days Gone came out in uh, April. April? Okay. Yeah. Then that makes sense then. Seven months. But... Um, yeah, like, so for that entirety of, of, yeah, April like, 26th, um, uh, uh, of, uh, bo- actually, yeah, what did it get delayed to April or April 26th May is when 22nd? it came out. Uh, and that one came, yeah, that one got May moved 29th. to May 29th. So a year and a month later is there's one exclusive that's on that same level with of Ghost of degree. Tsushima reportedly, Rep- yeah, again, we don't yeah. know for sure, I don't but reportedly it. pushed back from its original pr- internal projected date of, this uh, first year. half of 2020. Well, I always heard it was this year was their projected date, and then the rumored date would have been March. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know, but I, 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 I'll say this. I understand that pushing The Last of Us back does necessitate the need for... It, uh, let's say that The Last of Us was going to be February, and then um, Ghost of Tsushima was going to be May, three months apart, essentially, yeah. or whatever you want to say. Um I think that that makes sense. But I think the moment that you take The Last of Us, the game that's going to come first and push it back, you almost you have, have to, to push, push Ghost of Tsushima yep. back. Or now, what that actually ends up meaning and, and what it does, yeah. But what it ends up meaning for for that game, who knows? I mean, it, 
whether it was already planned for that time or not, who knows? And it may just be that they push it another three months back. If it was going to come out in May, maybe now we see it in uh, August or July or yeah, somewhere. I don't. In that I area. don't. But that's that's to me a superficial delay because you're only delaying it for that sole reason of hey, this game's not going to sell well now because of this other game coming out next well, to it. It's it's what we always said about um, Titanfall and Battlefield uh, yeah. Four or Battlefield One, I should say. Yeah, it's Battlefield One yeah. and Titanfall Two. There's no need to cannibalize your own games considering how many dates you have. Right, I mean, but I don't but I don't think either one of those games were delayed. So to delay a game into the Oh yeah, zone, they weren't. They yeah. Weren't. To delay a game into the time zone of another big release to, to force yourself to delay that game for sales is redundant. And it's it's tiring. Well, what, what do you mean redundant? Because I, I do think that if, if you're going you're to have only, affected sales by that, it, 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 why it, they like, weren't initially going to cannibalize each other, whereas from all the dates that we had, Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1 were always going to be right there. Right. I, I get what you mean. Is but that we also one don't know is the being, real date of Ghost. This yeah. is no, we don't. speculating we don't. that Ghost is going to yeah. hit May. But if it was or, going to hit May, yeah, and this gets pushed May. into it, I get it. I, even even two weeks between those. I mean, I, do you remember when they announced, when there was uh, rumors of The Last of Us coming in February and late February, which it did end up being, yeah. I said, man, I don't know, because that is a week or two weeks, maybe. I think it was a week, actually, uh, essentially, because February's short. Yeah, so I think it was a week before Final Fantasy VII. And while it's not a Sony-published game, it is a PS4 exclusive, be it timed or not, yeah. and it's being marketed heavily towards PlayStation. Why would you try and have those two compete with each other? Now, the one saving grace of that is that they are vastly different genres. They are, yeah. But, and they're like... and. You know, I still think that when you're in that situation, even if it's a timed exclusive that's from a different publisher, yeah, I think it's smart to try and keep those apart from each other. I would the, say maximum. Though, if they would have about, said that The Last of Us Two was like early February, like uh, Valentine's Day or before, I'd have been like, okay, there's at least two to three weeks between, between these two games, and The Last of Us will take most people probably two to three. What weeks other to game be. was coming out around that time? Because we talked about like, oh well, it's not Cyberpunk is another big yeah, game. Yeah, okay, time. that's what it was. Because we were like, it's not going to take us super long to be Last of Us to give us enough time to play Cyberpunk at launch too. Yeah, and I think Cyberpunk is a week after Final Fantasy, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. So uh, I mean I'm not and that's that you know, you could look at the delay as like good, the bugs are getting out, but now you can look at the delay as good. There's only two games in the first quarter of twenty nineteen I have to really worry about. Because coming up soon I have two games in the next three weeks that I have to worry about, yet one of them is only Sony's because I want Sword and Shield. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Sword so, and Shield hits the same day as Death Stranding, correct? One week apart. One week apart. I'm pretty okay, sure. Gotcha. I'm pretty sure that, oh, Death Stranding comes out a week later than Sword and Shield. Well, uh, Death Stranding is November 9th, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, then I think it's Pokemon Sword and Shield come out a week later after that. Then, yeah. so yeah, November 15th, so six days. Uh, so November 8th would be Death Stranding because uh, it's a Friday release. Uh, anyway, so for that, I mean. And and maybe I just missed it because we got off on a little bit of a, a not a tangent. I'd say it's still very in line in with the conversation. Uh, but I know your original point was to show that games like Final Fantasy, I mean, uh, like, well, yeah, Final Fantasy 15 and uh, even Kingdom Hearts. I actually even agree with that. That game got delayed and then still, I think, had things that should have been in it, like the uh, uh, like the actual extra hard mode that was already Critical, seen yeah. as in parts or of the game. Was it proud? Yeah. It, well, it wasn't because proud's already there. I it's think it was proud, nightmare mode or whatever. Or yeah. Called. I thought it was like proud plus or critical plus, but no, whatever. Yeah. maybe it's critical mode. I can't remember the names of the, of the difficulties. Proud's the one that's well, always and Liam, the Liam said in discord the other day about how, uh, 
some people like disliked. We uh, he was kind of playing with us about Kingdom Hearts three. It's like yeah. we we don't hate Kingdom Hearts three. We liked it. It's just it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. And I think that hype. Uh, and actually, I, I end up saying the same thing for Final Fantasy fifteen on my part, though I know that you feel differently in Final Fantasy fifteen. Oh, yeah. But I think the clear thing that we can both agree on is that Final Fantasy Final Fantasy fifteen would have been that much better received if it just would have. If you're already going to push the date back. Just push it back a little bit more. And I know that there's a big cost incurred with that. It's hard on, you know, if if you're not aware of how the the gaming business goes, part of why these games end up releasing anyway is they push them back as far as they can from a fiscal quarter standpoint. Because essentially what happens is eventually if you don't get them out in a certain fiscal year or by fiscal quarter, uh, it shows a drop on returns from costs that you had to make to develop it. You're not going to sell anything to d- divert that cost. Uh, investors start to look at it and go, when is this coming? we got to do something. And I think that's why you look at something like Anthem, and Anthem, despite all the problems it had at launch, essentially had to launch because it had been delayed more than a year of the original intention of the date that they had set. So whether or not we got that date, we didn't hear that it was coming in that year. We didn't have an exact date to go off of that. It got pushed back up by a year. But what happens is that on the inside of things, the people who are paying for that game and, and, and everything is looking at it going, this is a year more cost now that we have to be able to make back on this game when it comes. Yeah. And that investors are worried about, we've got to put this game out. We just we can't do any more time. We don't have the funds to put any more money in this game that we are unsure of how it's going to sell because you never know how well a game's going to sell. Thankfully for Anthem, it was in the top selling games of the of the year up until September. But I get it. Yeah. So yeah, Fallout seventy six seems like another example of a game that should have been should have been a delay would have helped a, a full year at and least. maybe a maybe a delay would have got us to a point where these things were were handled in a. Well, it's almost like you're. I'm curious or if they perceived even care. in a different way. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I think that something like this, like honestly, if the game would have launched with a subscription service, but in a better state across the board, yeah, no bugs or less bugs. Again, less bugs, way you know, more fun stuff going on. Of a lot of the things that they've added in updates in this first year, though. The one thing that I guess we're kind of avoiding with a game like The Last of Us Two, uh, and I think that you may have meant this when you said earlier. You said due to the type of game it is. I don't necessarily know what you meant by that. Uh, when you were talking about it in response to games like Days Gone and Death Stranding being delayed. Um, but you said you understand a bit more on The Last of Us. But where I'm going with that is that The Last of Us 2 is a linear game with no multiplayer, uh, as we are learning right now. So when you're dealing with that, it it's a game that already knows what it's going to be and doesn't intend to update and change massively. Whereas a game like Anthem, Destiny, the Division 2, Fallout 76, games as a service, they live and die on the fact that when you're playing them uh, and when you get people playing them and you put them out there and let people play them, you're going to get feedback that is invaluable. And it's going to be feedback that is going to shape the game to be better because it's feedback that you, when you're trying to get feedback for a live game from only small test groups, you're not getting enough. Right. The moment you put the game out to more hands and can get more feedback, the thing that Fallout 76 probably would have suffered from anyway, even with a, a year later, is that they, throughout that year, they would have had to have multiple beta tests or something to yeah. say, we've got to understand what you as a community want from this style of game because we already know it's so different than Fallout that you expected. Right. So with that, we want to make this the best game we can coming out. So we need you guys to work with us and give us feedback on what we have so far. Uh, even if it's just small sections of whatever. It's like, hey, on the very basic level of things, what are things you'd like to see that added or changed or balanced or whatever? And uh, I, I think that that is part of what makes games as a service that much harder to judge when they're coming out. And I think that's why Destiny 2 had a weird launch for plenty of people. 
Wild yeah. Division 2 had a weird launch for plenty of people. Anthem had a, bit, a weird launch for everybody, essentially. And Fallout 76, again, had a weird launch for everybody. The game wasn't what they wanted it to be until later. Well, and what I meant by The Last of Us 2 is the perceived budget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Fair. that we know that the, the budget, the mocap, all that stuff's going to look fantastic. I want it to look fantastic. Like, yeah. I, I know that I want, I want it to perform and, and work fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So if, it, if, if delaying it is to make sure that you are consistent across the board, because I'll, I'll say that, man, if you play some of these games when they look great in one area and then suddenly in the next, it's like, oh, that's inconsistent. There's a little bit of that in Call of Duty Modern Warfare where the cutscenes for the game are CGI and like they're done really, really well. But then they cut to in-game cutscenes or in the in-game models. And it's like it's a little staggering, but it doesn't look terrible. It's only weird in a time where nobody really does pre-rendered cutscenes anymore. I don't really know if this is. I think they're mo-capped. But well, yeah, but also, even, I mean, you know, like God of War was all mocapped, but they weren't pre-rendered. And, of course, they couldn't be because they were single-cut single cameras. They camera. look really good. And the, the cutscenes in the game look really good, too, like the normal ones, but you could, there's a difference. Yeah. And you'll have one cutscene in the rendered, and then you'll have another cutscene in-game. They follow right after each other almost always. So it's yes. like, well, this is kind of, it's staggering. And see, that goes into, uh, it's funny I brought up God of War for PlayStation 4, but, you know, all the other God of Wars were a bounce between that. It was always... yeah. In engine cutscenes, uh, but then for the biggest things, they always wanted to show you. Okay, here's a pre-rendered cutscene because we want this to look dope, and we can't do that with the technology we have. But I think everybody's landing on the fact that in in engine cutscenes work now. Yeah, the engines and, and on those well, t- on those types of games. games yeah, they're good enough to just let you do it in real time. So I find that to be a very odd way to. Which I mean, Call of Duty's always done it to an extent, but I was hoping that they'd move away from it with this engine change. You know, because Infinity War, a game I loved, had pre-rendered cutscenes, but it also had plenty of in-game in-engine cutscenes, and while it was a little staggering, you got over it, but now that you have a new engine, why not just show that engine off in cutscenes? It almost feels like a TV show, the way they this, this story is. Like, it feels like a military TV show. It's kind of cool. Weird. Okay, well, anyway, is there any other games that, or any other thing that you want to think about with uh, in relation to these two things? Are we going to close this thing off? I, I guess think we're I, going to close it out. Yeah. Um, what do you want the community's sake to be for next week? Let's see. I want to say... Actually, why don't we just keep it simple and straight? How do you feel about delays? There we go. Easy. Yeah. That way... I like that one, too. Yeah, that because it could be one-dimensional for pretty much anybody. How do you feel about delays? Do they bother you, or do you not care, or do you, are you sensible about it, or does they do they piss you off? Yeah, are you the are you the Nintendo thing that's been going around uh, going around, and I can't remember which Nintendo exec it is um, or developer, uh, but saying you know a uh, a delayed game is eventually good, a, a a bad a broken game is always bad, or a bad game is always bad. Yeah, um, and I do think that there's a there's something to be said about that. The only time that I don't know if that's true is live service games. So well, I think that, <laughs> I think that's that weird. there's a good way to say it, too, is that a launched broken game is almost always dead. Oh, it's almost always going to end up in that. It's very rare that a game bounces back from that. Rainbow Fallout Six, 76 still has not. Yeah, Ra- Rainbow Six Siege is one of the few games that I think really has that story. I don't think Rainbow Six Siege launched badly, did it? It, it launched mediocre, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And then it took a lot of updates to where suddenly they breathed new life into it and it blew up. And it was like, oh. Okay. Mm, gotcha. So okay. it's a weird parable, but we're interested in to hear your thoughts on that. I think that's a great community state question. So thank you, all. Uh, but we're going to wrap this episode up and get to moving along. Thank you, guys. We appreciate your time every week. We love the guys that you really love you that listen to us and, and interact with us. It's one of the best parts of my week. And now that Saul's a, a happy camper at his new job, I think he's a little bit more, uh, he, he's able to enjoy it a little bit more, which yeah. is good. So we'll see you guys next week. Hope you have a good Halloween coming Thursday. 
please send in your your costumes. I want to see them. I want to laugh. I want to think. Oh, that's badass. Definitely and cool. don't send lewds. Kiki again. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm <not laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Sanarud, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers and Dylan Kirby. If you would like to get some of our content early, exclusive posts sometimes, and the chance to get custom cases that uh, we, we design for you to choose, consider going over and uh, to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nartech and giving as little as a dollar per month. Thank you so much.